Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast, produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health-related products, services, tools, and resources. And we're live. We only did 27 non-recorded minutes at the beginning of this one. Uh, I am. We're back with another episode with Dr. Eric Gordon, which uh, you probably just listened to the last one. We're going to do a follow-up, which is going to be awesome. Dr. Gordon, thanks for coming back, doing two of these. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, we uh, Last time we talked about the cell danger response and mitochondria and what happens in the body with, well, we actually got into like post viral infection syndromes on accident and a whole bunch of other things about chronic inflammatory conditions and how that keeps the body in a state of disease and the different mechanisms by which it happens and how there's, there's no such thing as localized inflammation, really, that when there's inflammation, there's inflammation everywhere and, and what that does. And today, we're going to talk about what is really one of the hottest topics in the functional medicine world is mold. And um, we did do, do a deep dive into that. But if anybody didn't catch uh, last time, I'm going to give a little intro before we get rolling. And after you listen to the, it's not chronological. You don't have to have listened to the last one before you listen to this one. So you can stick around here, then go back and check out the other one if you haven't listened to it. But Dr. Eric Gordon, MD is the president of Gordon Medical Research Center and the founder and owner of Gordon Medical Associates, a private medical practice in the San Francisco Bay Area, specializing in complex chronic disease. In addition to clinical practice of over 30 years, Dr. Gordon is engaged in clinical research. Uh, in 2007 through nine, he created a series of medical symposia, bringing together leading international medical researchers and cutting edge clinicians focusing on chronic fatigue syndrome, Lyme disease, autoimmune diseases, and autism, among others. And he has now combined forces in some ways with Dr. Robert Navio and his research into metal metabolomics. I always can't say that word, mitochondrial function and chronic inflammatory disease. And I'll just give the disclaimer because I remember you did last time that you mostly supply the patients and Robert supplies the brains. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's uh, in a nutshell. And uh, he's also our uh, doctor that we work with personally with Mira's um, I don't even know what to call them anymore. Multiple, maybe kind of sort of autoimmune conditions that might be something else and definitely suck when they happen. And he's helping us with that. So, uh, we work directly with Dr. Gordon ourselves. And, um, so mold, uh, I know when this airs, you're going to be in screening or hosting a, a mold and mycotoxin summit. And, um, before we got on air, I said like 10 years ago, something like a mold and mycotoxin summit, everyone would be like, what the hell are they doing? Or why are they talking about that? And now over the last 10 years, I've watched mold go from some like fringe thing that only really weird, fringy, I'm really sick forever and don't know what's going on. People would be talking about to like, it's almost the first thing now when somebody comes in with some sort of chronic disease, they're like, is there mold in your house? If you check for mold, is this mold toxicity? What is going on? Is there more mold? Is the mold more angry? 
or are we more susceptible to getting sick from it? Wow. It's always nice to start off with a question that I don't have a great answer for. Awesome. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to go back is, is that remember that um, Dr. Crook and I'm blocking on names, but he was he was one of the leaders back in the 70s was writing about, um, you know, in those days, it was Canada people functioned on. But, you know, uh, that, that, you know, there was something about chronic mold exposure and mold carriage. And, and that's an area that we'll touch on because there's controversy over that. But um, anyway, but I believe it's an issue. Um, you know, so, and, and he wrote, um, and so that was a big deal, even in the 70s, 80s, 90s, but it was, it was a big deal only in what in those days we called the alternative medicine community, which was much uh, smaller, and, and, and less part of the population, you know? Um, and, and that is a good question. Have, do we have that much more or do we have that much more awareness? You know, on one level, I think we have that much more. In, in a way, if you think of it, you know, like autism, you know, autism in the 60s was a rare condition, mm -hmm. okay? Um, Dr. Sidney, Sid Baker, who is um, in, in, like, I consider one of the deans of autism in America. Um, uh, he's now a little bit older than me, so he's old. Uh, but he, he, um, he was at Yale in the, in the 60s. Um, and actually he was already probably the late, yeah, the early 60s, he was in school there. And he said, you know, when there was a, an autism, some, a kid with autism, I mean, like, all the residents went to see, it was rare. It was like, this was an event. This was a rare disease. And now it's like, I don't know, one in 60 or one, you know, I mean, like, it's insane. Yeah. It was one in 10,000, like maybe 20, 30 years ago. I mean, so things are changing. When I was growing up, it was like, we heard about it. But it wasn't like we would have known. I didn't know anybody who, who was diagnosed on the spectrum in any way, like not within my school. Yeah. Well, well the, uh, the concept of the spectrum was something that I think we've, we've kind of like, um, uh, you know, that's maybe a little newer. It was always there, but I think it was it was newer. But but there's but the amount it seems to be going like wildfire. You know, I don't think it's just diagnosis, especially for the more the more severe forms of, uh, of autism in young kids where they really, um, um, aren't able to, uh, function in the mainstream. You know, a lot of people are on the spectrum can do fine with a little coaching, you know, but there are lots of kids who, who just, you know, the environment, everything sets them off. So anyway, my point is, is that things have changed, you know? Um, now I think there was a lot of this before and it was just unrecognized. Um, but really, I have to admit, I hadn't thought about this question, but it has dramatically increased. Now, you know, we started dealing with mold toxicity. Remember, Dr. Um, so I said Dr. Crook, and I can't remember the other doctors who were famous for, for the yeast early on, the yeast connection and other many other books. And I said in the 70s, 80s, 90, early 90s. But, um, you know, Dr. Shoemaker really brought us out. Uh, in the early 2000s, he really, you know, got mold 
as being a, a, an issue. And now you remember Dr. Shoemaker is now saying that he thinks um, that 80% of the problem in water damaged buildings anyway, isn't just mold, but it's actinomyces. You know, it's a, a bacteria that um, feeds on water damaged um, materials, just like mold does. I mean, basically, you know, you mold and these bacteria are ubiquitous. They're everywhere in the environment. Um, you can't get away from them, but, in, but they don't tend to produce toxins unless they get a lot of food for free. You know, that seems okay. to be an interesting thing about toxin producing um, creatures, if you will. You know, the same thing seems to happen with the red tides, you know, where you have a whole lot of, you know, single cell organisms that are all capable of producing toxins, but don't usually do much. And then suddenly, you know, just you know, just, you know, literally change the color of the water. <laughs> I lived in Florida for a little bit and I, I saw and smelled uh, a red tide once and it's something to behold. Yeah. Okay. Let's well, put it that way. Those are algae, you know, I mean, these are single cell mm. organisms, but the point is they don't seem to happen um, unless they get in a huge food source, you know, because it takes a lot of energy to make toxins. So you usually save it. You know, which for um, mold, uh, like the mold in people's homes or in offices or buildings or things that are going to cause health problems, that's generally from water damage. Well, yeah, when they grow, kind. yeah, because we see yeah. they're they're there, but without moisture, most of them can't reproduce to the level yeah. that they're going to start producing enough. Like a significant amount of right. yeah, right. because just you know, see, we all get you know, you see a little mold around a windowsill, you know, I mean. You know, that's you. That's a hint that you've got excess humidity. <laughs> so you should take it seriously. But that's usually not what's making you sick. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's usually inside. it's the wall covered in mold that's behind your drywall that you don't see or the, the floor covered in mold underneath the tile that you don't see. Exactly. Yeah. It usually takes yeah. you know, takes quite a bit to, to, to get you. But again, those are telltale signs that the humidity in the house yeah. will be too high. You know, um, you know, there are a few molds that can grow in low humid, but something called wallemia, but basically most of them need a, you know, like a fair amount. Okay. So it's kind of a combination of, um, there's more people getting sick from mold. That's true. And we are much better at recognizing it or, uh, yeah, especially diagnostics. I've seen like eight different mycotoxin tests get released in the last five oh, yeah. years. Well, well, no. And I was working on one myself. No, no, mm -hmm. there's definitely I have to say, I think it is getting worse. I can't, because I know we saw mold people for a long time. I said, when I first started doing this stuff in the eighties um, and really got into it and then full-time in the nineties, we saw a lot of people with mold, but it was, um, but like you say, now it seems like almost everybody, well, not everybody, but any, a lot of the people with chronic Lyme also now have a mold on top. <laughs> and, and I think that that's that that's and it could be also remember what's changed is our buildings have become much tighter. OK, now that's a great way to increase humidity and trap it in the house is a tight building. You know, I mean, I've lived in old houses and, you know, old houses can have a lot of mold, but they also have a lot of ventilation, <laughs> and that, you know, and that 
that make that can make you can up call it ventilation of- you can call it unsealed roofs but you well, can, well, well okay yeah uh, yeah no yeah I, I put it like this air exchanges you know yeah yeah a lot more air exchange yeah, between the inside and the outside right yeah if, if you've got a house that's got you know one air exchange an hour well you got a really tight house that you're going to have if you have mm-hmm. a little bit of mold it, you can have a big problem okay just the same way as you have the same problem with the off-gassing from the chemicals in your house you know because i mean these are all play roles. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to piece out which is doing what, because, you know, it is that you think it might be the mold, but if you have a really tight house, you might be just having a lot of uh, volatile organic compounds from stuff that you bought. Carpet, furniture, yeah, cleaning exactly. products. And, yeah. you know, and because <laughs> the thing that determines the level of symptoms is your genetic susceptibility. Cause the reason we have such arguments over the, the um, validity of mold as a, as a cause of illness. Cause I mean, remember people are still fighting about this. I mean, we know that mold can cause illness that everybody agrees with. Okay. But the idea that background levels in houses or um, how do you say moderate levels in houses where, you know, one person is sick and five others are asymptomatic. The fact that that's yeah, why is that? Because we're different, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, you know, um, one guy can eat. Well, uh, mold has know. been a factor in all three of Mira's flares. Like there's been a mold exposure that was involved in all three of them. And I didn't get sick. Right. Because, so, I mean, and especially because, you know, she wound up, she's a very good example of, of how this is can be like indirect is that she wound up with an autoimmune disease, uh, uh, you know, where, where her, her immune system lost its balance, you know, and, um, and, and this is a very good example. And mold usually, I mean, like there's one mold, what is it? Like a uh, mycophenolic acid that we even make into a medicine called cell set <laughs> that's used, that's used as an immune, as immune suppressant, <clears throat> you know, interesting, uh, uh, you know, and, but so, but, you know, but for her disease, for instance, that's why it's always so important that people understand that the immune system is all about balance is that, you know, if you suppress your T help, you know, the part, the, the regulatory parts of your immune system, you can wind up with an autoimmune disease. You know, mm-hmm. normally we think of um, T cells, suppre- I mean, immune suppressors as treating autoimmune diseases because they do. <laughs> but if you, there are natural ones that can actually suppress the, or, or downregulate the, the cells that would um, actually control your immune system from overreacting. Uh, you know, one of the things we have is that if you knock out your cells that your NK cells the natural killer cells, well, then suddenly you can get a lot of viral flares, you know, and it's not or because cancer, right? you, you know, cancer, but I mean, just, it can yeah. happen probably with mold. Um, it can happen. I mean, that's what COVID does. It knocks down your NK cells, your natural killer cells, and a lot of your, um, yeah, your, your cytotoxic T cells. And that's why people have a lot of flares of viral infections, you know, some people with Epstein Barr and stuff will will flare. After yeah, COVID. I saw that one study that showed like pretty high correlation between high levels of Epstein Barr and more severe COVID um, yeah, but, but cases. It, it was pretty probably, statistically relevant. Yeah, but it's probably because you lower the cytotoxic T cells. The COVID the- drove up the. Epstein bar. Well, well, and, and so suddenly yeah. the Epstein bar can come out and play before you can. Yeah. 
suppressed. So it, it's, so it's, it's this lack of linearity, which we keep coming back to mm-hmm. how I talk about things that we have to remember. So mold illness has gone up. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, I have to, because we've been treating this a long time, but in the, you know, we always have talked about what, what to treat first. You know, and I always look at the progression of things, you know, um, it, you know, when when we started really understanding that all these things were happening in the same patient, you know, we'd see our our people we thought had Lyme disease, you know, and then somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s, we started to go, oh, my God, they have Babesia also. You have to treat the Babesia first, you know, and then a little later, we, you know, we realized, oh, Bartonella is a big part here. And so the teaching became, you got to treat the Bartonella first. And, you know, <clears throat> and those are kind of, but they're not, ab- people took them as absolutes because people like rules, but, um, you know, sometimes you do. Need it makes to things easier on. to have a set of mm-hmm. order that you have to treat things in though, or an order that they happen in. Like, yeah. it, I mean, we're pattern recognition brains. Like mm-hmm. we need to have that kind of like. Yeah, this is where treat these treatments become more of like an art than a science when you have to factor in the. Well, that's you see, you said it right there. Our brains work like our we where brains are designed to be good engineers. Okay, that's what we do really well is we can do be a good engineer, but when you're working with things that they're when you're from the inside, you can't be just an engineer because you don't have all the you don't have all the data. (laughs) <laughs> and you can't uh-huh. measure things completely, you know, so you, you really, you really are much more of an artist, but you got to keep the engineer piece happening, but just don't, don't think it's everything, you know? So yeah, it is nice to realize that there often is a level just like now we realize is that, you know, you often have to treat the mast cells before you can treat the mold. And you often have to treat the mold and the mycotoxins before you can get to any of the bugs, you know, and whether you have to treat the viruses or the, bacterial ones first that kind of depends more on the person and it always depends more on the person okay it's not absolute but it makes sense that when the mast cells those are your immune cells these are the most primitive immune cell i think we talked about them last time Mm -hmm. maybe we hit on them and you know they really talk right to your nervous system that's one of the things i mean all immune systems have neurotransmitters on them Okay, and release and respond to serotonin, dopamine, and stuff like that. But the mast cells are really keyed into the brain, and they often talk right to the nerves, you know, um, to the vagus, uh, because they're they're in the tissue, um, and they'll feed back the information. So um, you know, so if those mast cells are really reactive, it's very hard to do much in people who are overly sensitive without setting them off, without getting the mast cells to be a little quieter, you know, but it's a circle. Once you lower the underlying inflammation, the mast cells will tend to quiet down and stay quiet even, you know, but so mold, um, yeah, I just say has blown up and, you know, it's like I've lived with it. And so you, you asked, I said, you asked me uh, what sounds that I'm thinking about such an obvious question, you know, why is this suddenly such a big deal. And um, yeah, because I, I do remember mold was a thing and we treated it. And I remember when I first got to California, there was a, an ear, nose and throat doctor in, in San Francisco who was, who was measuring IgG molds. Okay, because that's something most doctors don't do. 
but molds cause more of an IgG immune response, not the, uh, the alert, because usually when we think of mold, we think of allergy. Okay. Allergy uh, which is IgE, right? Which normally is IgE. By definition, yeah. it's IgE. See, this is the, uh, the, the engineering brain again. Okay. They <laughs> defined allergy as being mediated by IgE. So if it's mediated by IgG, it's not an allergy. Okay. Okay. Because oh. we have to have a name for it. But the person gets sick. But the person gets sick. You get, you know, you get headaches. You don't feel, you know, because see, and that's one of the important things that I like people to understand about mold illness. Okay. You can have mold allergies. You can have allergy to mycotoxins, or you can have a toxic effect to mycotoxins. Let's stop one second. I just want to cover that word. Because we've said toxin and molds produce toxins and we're right. using the word mycotoxin. Okay. Uh, a mycotoxin is not a mold. No. A mycotoxin is um, something a mold produces. Is it like a byproduct or a metabolite or is it like actually a weapon? Like what's it's the weapon? I mean, it's how mold bacteria and molds produce toxins to kill other bacteria and molds, you know, penicillin, you know, I mean, like, you know, these are all, um, you know. We think it's a medicine, but that's because it kills a whole bunch of things when you take it. Right, exactly. It's a medicine to me. It's a poison to the other things that are in my body. Right. And it's produced, you know, by bacteria. And uh, I'm and molds actually does mold, molds molds produce penicillin. I'm sorry, penicillin. <laughs> you know, I mean, is that see? So mycotoxins are just what molds produce to protect themselves, to make more growth area that's safe for them. You know, they, the thing is, when they're in nature, there's so many of them, and they're all fighting for survival that the production is usually on the small side, unless they get into a really large colony. Um, okay. You know, so because they're fighting on the microscopic level against a whole bunch of other things. And right. rarely in nature are you going to find like a a wall of a certain of kind of mold. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. They, we, they, we've they, created they, the environment for that to exist. To exist. And um, so but so mycotoxins are just the mold are part of the back of the um, fungal world's um, immune system in a way. OK. OK. I mean, that's it. It's just how they deal with other critters, you know, and they and our bodies are perfectly capable of dealing with low levels of these by, you know, either making an antibody to it or just chemically breaking it down, binding it, you know, um, you know, glutathione's a big deal because a lot of these guys um, bind sulfur, you know, like take a a two sulfur comp, two sulfur um, atoms and bind to them and, glutathione can offer that and then sort of sacrifice itself and get rid of this thing. But if you're not good at making glutathione, you will get sicker quicker (laughs) if you get exposed to um, a lot of these mycotoxins. So that's the important to remember is you got molds and you got mycotoxins and you can have allergy to mold. You can be somebody who maybe like eats, you know, like uh, some people have trouble with um, food that's been like food that's been out for a few days you know, any kind of um, uh, yesterday's lunch, you know, to some people can get them sick because mold does grow. And that little bit of mold will cause a, a, a reaction. Usually that's a, an allergy response, the mold. I mean, occasionally it'll produce enough mycotoxin that maybe they're that sensitive 
to the mycotoxin levels. But most of us eat stuff that's been sitting out for a day and don't notice it. You know, other people have to like wash their fruit in hydrogen peroxide because if yeah. they don't, the amount of mold that's on the outside will cause allergic reactions. You know, so yeah. So I guess we could talk about that because that's one aspect. Because yes, more people are sick. Yes, we're recognizing more. Yes, we're building more buildings that make more mold. But um, more, there's more people percentage-wise of people that if you put them around the mold now, they'll get sick than there was 20 years ago. Probably, probably. Yeah. It sure looks like that. So sure like, um, yeah. I'd like you to solve that problem right now and tell me exactly why that is. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I, I think it's the same reason, um, you know, we're, we, uh, we're looking at, you know, death by a thousand cuts. You know, everybody wants it to be one thing, you know, EMFs, you know, EMFs are, pro I mean, EMFs screw with our body's ability to, um, to dance with ease. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, if you're a great dancer, um, you can ignore that the, your partner is klutzy, <laughs> you know, but if you're not, a yeah, good if dancer, you were trying to dance with me, for instance, you could still look good. Right. Right. But you know, like it's just, it's the interactions, it's the balance of things. So you've got EMFs, they're screwing with, with, inf with how your body can, can, um, you know, uh, inform itself in information flow, energy flow in the system. But it's for most of us, it's fairly mild. For some of us, it's really big. And it, again, it seems in my worldview, it's probably, um, it just varies, you know, if you've got, a, a, if, you, if you've got other toxins, if you're eating, I mean, you know, what we've done to food. Okay. So food, I mean, the EMFs I think are bigger than we know, but that's a hard one because unless you're an engineer, it's really hard to parse, you know, what's real and what's not, because the information, if you're not, if you're not grounded in physics, it gets quickly mm -hmm. into like places we don't know. I know enough to know that it's real. Okay. And I know enough people who you can just see how you can cause nausea, headaches, inability to think by being in the wrong environment. And you take them out of that environment and a half an hour later, they're better. You know, I mean, like, it's really clear. You just shut the electric off in the house and they're better, you know? So it's clear that they're telling us that a lot of that, that, that these EMFs are really important and they're, from a million different reasons. But, you know, I just think the food, I mean, like I, you can't get away from the food and water. I mean, you know, just the amount of chemicals that are in a water supply, uh, the crappy food that people eat, the fact that most people don't eat real food. I mean, no, like I live in a bubble, you know, I live in Northern California and it is a food bubble. I mean, you know, where the the grocery stores, I mean, you know, even the mainstream grocery stores have organic sections in them, you know, yeah. and, you know, I don't live in a place where you have to, where, where you're good, you're doing your shopping at a 7-Eleven mm -hmm. you know, to buy food. I mean, when you think about what's in that kind of store as food, uh, yeah, you're going to have a lot of sick people because you're feeding them stuff that their body has to detoxify 
at such basic levels, you're feeding them chemicals that aren't meant to be food. I mean, food, I mean, always gonna be careful. You know, chemical food is chemicals. Yes, you know, just like GMOs are, you know, yeah, non-food chemicals. Non-food chemicals are in the food. Are, are, are taking yeah. up more and more. And the high fructose corn syrup, the things that drive, you know, it drives like high fructose corn syrup, it drives insulin. It doesn't, your body can't modulate that response, you know, I mean, like you, when you take in, and that's the most commonly used form of sugar in processed foods for sure. And it's probably causing a lot of the alcohol, not the non-alcoholic liver disease that we're seeing. That's another epidemic, you know, Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I'm kind of getting off this, but it's, it's a million things contributing to people being more susceptible to to toxins that you're buying that we have more of them and your body is less able to deal with them because the way you deal with them, these toxins are often poisoning some very primitive parts of the system. Okay. So they're going after a lot of these are going after your ribosomes. Ribosomes are where you actually, you know, make like you take the amino acids and you kind of stick them together, you know, and make them into proteins and which become like the enzymes. They're the machinery of your body. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what basically enzymes are. They're the machines, you know, the raw materials are more than we call them metabolites, you know, but the, and so if your machines don't work, you can't do much. Doesn't matter how much nutrients you put in, if you you know that's that's why there's no one important piece in the body, you know. So if the, a lot of these uh, mycotoxins go after basic units, now they also go after um, the membranes of mitochondria. They they interfere with mitochondrial DNA. They inter- they, they they interfere at multiple levels, but. Um, they're exceedingly toxic stuff. But the beauty of the system is that your body can repair this. Your body, is, is, you know, we're not, we're not helpless, okay? But when we've already been depleted and we don't have enough, um, you know, true nutrients in our system, and, you know, when, we're, when, we're, when our bodies had to use up its... Um, I don't want to focus on it, but it's antioxidant reserves. Okay. Just because of the garbage that you're eating, instead of the food being a source of the, um, of of the materials that are, instead of it contributing to healing, it's contributing to the disease process. Exactly. They're weakening you. Go, go eat an American meal and you're weakening yourself. I mean, it's, you know, between, the GMOs between the grains. I mean, like you're in Italy now, you know, I mean, like eat. Yeah. I mean, they eat grains here, but they're not hybridized. They're not sprayed in chemicals. They're not GMO. They're not crossbred. Yeah. They're not all these. They're the same I mean, grains like, that the Italian people have been eating for yeah. 2000 years. Um, <laughs> and they get you no, know, because I mean, like I am wheat gluten sensitive. I don't have celiac mm-hmm. disease, but if I eat, yeah. if I eat, still a feel lot good. Of, what? You just don't feel good when you eat it. Well, no, I I get fatigue, not all the time, but I get fatigue. It's an allergy thing. I mean, I get this like mm-hmm. I, when I was a kid, I, I didn't know what was going on. I'd have to slap myself to stay awake. I mean, I'd be I'm just transient. It'd be like for like 15 minutes. Ahead, I'd just be so tired. I never knew what it was. And then finally. Um... <laughs> Does that happen when you're in Europe or when you're. No, um... that's, that's my point of my story is that like I, I the thing that really shocked me. I was there. 
I was at with people and somebody's father owned a pizzeria and it was a big deal. My father makes the best pizza. Oh, you can't turn that down or they'll kick you and, out of the country. You, know, so you, you go there and I, I was trying to be polite and we had a little bit and it was really good. And then they, we made <laughs> too many pizzas. We took them with us. And the next two days I ate these pizzas and I felt fine. I mean, like mm. I was blown away at the difference mm. It, it happens a lot. Like it happens for a lot of people. Exactly. I've had two. I've only been here a month. I for those listening, I live in Italy, and I moved here about a month before this recording. I've, and I don't have a lot of like I don't know the locals. So having two people ask me in a month, which I've had about five total conversations, two of them, they asked me about American food, and like why, um, because they sell like processed snack foods here they're not super popular but if you go to the supermarket you can find like pringles or like certain american snack foods but the ingredients list is different they're not great like it's not ideal (laughs) but there's like colorings and preservatives and certain types of chemicals and things that um are not allowed to be put into food here even by the like garbage food like that kind of food it's not like i would recommend people live off that But they asked me because they know that they know that American food allows ingredients in it that are illegal in the European Union. And they were like, I'm going to be the one that's going to be able to explain this to them. So they're like, why do you allow this? And I'm like, well, it's not really my call. So I don't allow it. But like they were confused by this because it's like such a fundamental thing to them, like their food and the quality of their food. And it's like such an important thing. They can't understand why it's not so there. Like why it's economics in the uh, America Mm -hmm. for the last 70 years. Yeah. Since the 50s, all all the schools of of nutrition have been funded Mm -hmm. by the people who make junk food. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah i mean like really the, the so all, they convinced every, the entire every, country that tv yeah. dinners are the most nutritious thing you can do yeah, in really, the 50s oh yeah every school of of nutrition in america um you know like in boston um in uh you know pennsylvania uh you know that was where kellogg was um and mm-hmm. in in iowa and and the midwest where it's all the big dairy soybean and, corns and, you know, yeah but they all they all and they control the information flow you know i mean and it's not that yeah. again there's it's not it's a little close to not being it's not evil but again, it's sort of like you know here's here's your it's grant putting money. money over the well-being of an entire society right right you can call it what you want to call it but like yeah. that's it, that's well, it what is. it is, it is. evil well, or whatever like yeah, it's a okay. debate like what is evil but like yeah. it's some people right. being like i want to make a whole lot of money and i don't care what the consequences of it are at all well, you know, it's often like, well, okay, I won't go into that, but I, I agree with you. But usually it's only a handful of people who don't care about the consequences. The rest of them care mm-hmm. about the consequences. But then it turns out to, ooh, wait a minute, but I want my grant and I'm, I'm going to do this okay. Yeah. <laughs> and my stock portfolio looks good and my 401k yeah. is going up and my retirement's yeah. going to be sound. So yeah, let's yeah. just leave it, all it, this alone. I'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit that's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations. 
if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast. A gift from our team over at Rebel Health Tribe, producers of this show. And now, back to your episode. The food sucks, and the food is not not supporting people. It's depleting. depleting. We have exposure. You mentioned VOCs. Um, Well, volatile uh, organic compounds, which is something that um, actinomyces makes quite a bit of actually interesting, like that, that kind of musty smell you get in a, in a, in a building that's usually yeah. more the actinomyces than the mold. I mean, so maybe Dr. Shoemaker has a tendency to be, um, I think sometimes to overstate things, but he's often turns out to be right. You know, at least, yeah. I mean, like I, I have great respect for Rich. I, I, I have, I think he's, he has taught me an immense amount um and uh he was know. the first place i ever heard of or, or learned about yeah. mold about well, 10 he, years ago he's the man who, yeah. really, who, who really you know pushed this the information out there and, and he's done a lot of i mean creative thought i mean i have to say his 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 ability to to bring us markers and that's one thing i just want to mention for the people out there the markers that that many people look at in what's now sears he's now you know now it's chronic he he really doesn't talk about mold anymore it's mostly chronic inflammatory response syndrome okay um which is basically what happens when you're chronically inflamed and mold can be one of the causes of that and the markers in those tests are not mold specific. That's one of the great sadnesses is that we still don't have great things that I'm 100% sure are mold specific. And I'll, I'll expand on that in a minute. But just the markers like the VEGF and the, the TGF beta 1 um, and the C4A, you know, uh, MMP9, none of these are mold specific. Those so there's other things that can are. throw those off. Yeah. They're just markers that your innate immune system is pissed off you know, and you're, and you're dysregulated. Okay. Um, yeah. You can get there by multiple ways. I mean, yeah. It, it, again, if you have the a mold exposure and these are really high and it goes down when you get away from it in your body, that's what's going on. So it, it's not that they're bad. It's just that they're not one-to-one. Don't stop looking just because you do a test and you have these things. It doesn't mean you have mold, you know, you have to have a few other, you know, like, and the mycotoxin test, like uh, I remember when Great Plains came out with their their yeah. mycotoxin test, it was like everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be the greatest thing ever!" And um, it's cool; it's interesting to see. We've taken them when Mira's been sick, and she, well, the first time, she had like one million okra toxin A, yeah. and the second time, she had one million of one other kind. And so you know, there's mold, but um, that shows you the urine tests. They show you what is coming out of the body. And, so you know, it's, it's very possible for some people that are totally inhibited in clearing any of these things that their mold mycotoxin urine test would show pretty decent levels uh, because it's all in their body and not coming out of the body. So like, that's the same with metals tests and different things like, um, so yeah, I, yeah, I was that, disappointed that, that, to learn it's, that. It's I thought we were onto something. <laughs> right, excretion, excretion does not prove toxicity, but it does prove exposure, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is that we have, um, you know, just to be fair, we have real time, which does a, uh, an ELISA, which is more of like an antibody kind of, kind of test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, I always want to call them 
uh, vibrant America. I always want to call them virgin America. <laughs> vibrant America, which it's the airplanes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know, marketing got me. Um, the yeah. um, I forget if they're doing mass spec or and I think they're doing antibody also. Um, and you know, and Great Plains does mass spec. And you know, the nice part about a mass spec test is mass spec. You really doesn't lie. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, they have real machines. I, I, I've spoken it several times, in fact, he's on our uh, summit. Um, the fellow who developed the test for them, Dr. Matt uh, Hyatt Pratt, or Pratt Hyatt, yeah. <laughs> but, but Matt is a great, I mean, I think a, a, a wonderful scientist who really is thoughtful and cares a lot about people. And he developed this really cool test, but it's not, it doesn't tell us what we'd like it to tell us, which is, oh my God, you're high, you're sick. This is the problem. You know, we'd love it to be that linear. Like, you know, we measure your blood count, your, your hemoglobin and hematocrit are low, you have anemia, you know? It doesn't, this test, not there quite yet. You're, the numbers are high, you are being exposed, but are you being exposed um, enough to make you sick? You know, I my kind of figure is if you're ten times above their upper limit of normal, it's not good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, both of high, ours were like yeah. extreme, extreme, extreme. Yeah. So there's something going on. If they're like you know two to three to five, you know, you know, it could possibly be even from food because there's a lot of mold in food. I mean, did we understand yeah. that we we learned about mycotoxins mostly from the agricultural world? Okay, the, the studies of mycotoxins in people is um, meager and, 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 and yeah, it's just meager. But on animals, there's a ton going back to the economic articles of the world is because if your cow dies, it costs you a thousand bucks or a few thousand dollars. Okay, if you're if a person dies, it, it, it's very upsetting to all of us involved. But guess what? There's no direct economic loss to the owner. <laughs> I mean, that sounds yeah. terrible, but that's no. A, but it's that that's we're back to you know. I mean, the why is the situation so bad? Is because it screws up the economy. You know. Um, okay, uh, that's life. But so, um, so getting back, so so we know a lot. We'll cover about politics the, on the next podcast. Another, another one. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the basics, which is for human, and that's going to be messy. But um, but anyway, so mycotoxins um, are in our foods. You know, they're just mm -hmm. always been there a little bit. And the more they're in storage, the more they are. Uh, sometimes even organic foods, because they're not sprayed, can even have more mycotoxins. <laughs> Oops, um, I still think they're much better. Things like coffee and oh, beans and stuff yeah. that like sits for a really long time in a storage facility. Yeah, uh, very, very high. They can't have, but most of us do okay yeah. with, these, with these background levels. And um, so anyway, so when you see, but when you see more than 10 times the upper limit of normal, okay, something's really going on there. And if you've got symptoms, even if it's lower, it very well might be related. I mean, even if it's two times normal, it could be for you too much. Just like with a mercury test, some of the sickest people with mercury yeah. I've seen have had very low excretion levels because their bodies, like you said, is not able to mobilize yeah. it. Okay. Now, yeah. the other argument though, is that these mycotoxins that we see with the Great Plains test are not metabolized, okay? So the real real time is looking at uh, as an antibody test, which will get the 
metab partially meta metabolized and unmetabolized mycotoxins. But is that better or worse? No, it's different, you know, because, because if you metabolize them, they may or may not still be active because some of the metabolites are more toxic and many of the metabolites are what our body did to make them non-toxic. <laughs> so, you know, so we're left with not great tests. There's another test called, I didn't mean to, well, you might as well give people some information about, called MyMyco in America that um, looks at antibodies to the mycotoxins, which is very interesting because most of the tests we can get in America are antibodies to the, the molds themselves, the fusarium, the alternia, you know, um, penicillium, you know, all these molds, we can get antibodies to them because they're good because a lot of people who are sensitive to mycotoxins also have allergies to mold, which compound because that will get your mast cells yeah. going. Mm -hmm. Just understand that this is why that'll make you more reactive to anything right. else that you yeah. come and, in contact with. My thing is why I've been trying, you know, myself and Dr. Parpia have been lecturing um, to some of the societies to try to get people to, and people don't like these lectures because they're confusing, but to remember that all this is happening simultaneously and you know, people have Lyme, have mold, have mast cell, have BCF, you know, have EBV. You know, the question is, which one is driving the show in that person at that time? And, and you know, some people only have one, but lots of people got a lot of them. And it doesn't mean you have, so it's, it's a teaching people how to dance. And unfortunately, we have a bunch of doctors who are just doing Sears or just treating Lyme or just treating mast cell. And it's not bad. I mean, and that works for a bunch of people. So God bless when it works, but when it's not working, step back and realize you got that. It's not like you don't have mast cell stuff, but you also have other things. You know, it's like having people with chronic fatigue. You can have chronic fatigue and you can also have this other junk. Chronic fatigue often is the end result of not treating the other stuff, but it can be mixed in. Anyway, so getting back to the testing for mold and mycotoxins is not great. All we can tell you is that you've been exposed to lots of mold. And so that makes it high likelihood. Check out your house, check out your food sources. Food, not necessarily a huge thing unless you're really sensitive. Um, the house and the home environment, your car, those are big deals. Check them out. And they're I forget the name of the group. Oh, I shouldn't read that. But there is a group um, of, oh, what are they called? I-S-E. But there is a, a really, I, I apologize. I'll, I'll send it to you. Maybe you can put it in show notes or something where uh, of, of, of people who inspect houses for mold. And that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually, um, an episode earlier, I don't even know what order everything's going in, but in this season, uh, for those listening, uh, there's an episode with someone named Kathy Cook, and she is a building biologist Wonderful. and she does EMFs and mold. Like it's a full on building inspector oh, yeah. type person. And it's really cool. I learned a ton of stuff and she can work a lot of things remotely. Now they've learned how to do a lot of it and like send you a monitor and you, they walk you through. It's like, it's kind of like having a ghostbuster telling you what to do. That's what I felt like with the gizmo. But um, yeah, so Kathy Cook, check out that episode. Okay. She, I don't know what the organization is, but she's one of those people. Yeah, you know, that's one of them. And this guy, Michael Trance, who I think is president of the group, um, you know, just because, you know, 
Yeah, you got to be careful when you I don't, you know, looking in houses, I hate it because, you know, it's expensive uh, and it's life altering and it can increase and it really can increase the family stress, which is the thing we Mm -hmm. hate to see when people already are having problems. You know, you're sick. Your your spouse is now you got to remediate your bathroom for sixteen thousand dollars, right? And, and and now you're spending a lot of you know not just on your on your yeah. doctor, but you're now going to spend a lot mm-hmm. of money on changing the house. Not the greatest thing for familial happiness <laughs> and tranquility. No, I've been through that. We've had to move three times because of it. Yeah, so it's it's a hard. And, and while Mira was sick, we had to move. Like yeah. that's even more. Yeah, it's, but, yeah, but hold good, on. Yeah, I want to give a minor course correction because we need to explain a little bit before we go because i wanted to cover um part of the reason why mold is such a problem is because there's you've talked about this a little bit there's all these overlapping uh mold and lyme and neurological issues and autoimmune conditions and like rheumatoid arthritis which i mean we've been diagnosed undiagnosed misdiagnosed with that in our house um it's like is the mold, um, the mycotoxin, what, what the hell do these things do when they get in the body that they're linked to so many different overlapping correlated? Is it causation? Is it correlation? Are people more susceptible to autoimmune disease also more likely to be reactive to mold or is the mold making the autoimmune conditions happen or, or making the neurological diseases happen or, well, or, or do they, do they rewire both. the immune system? Like what the hell is going on? It's like such a sloppy mess. Well, and so um, imagine, think of the molds as the cytokines of the, of the, of the, of the mycobacterium wall of, of, of the mold world. Okay. okay. So these are chemicals that, that, that these, bugs are producing to go in and influence other cells. Okay. And that aren't theirs. That that aren't theirs. Okay. And so they go in and they make holes in the cell membrane. Some of them, some of them, um, you know, some of them just will, uh, well, that's probably more of an accidental thing. (laughs) There's a few that can, that, that actually work as, um, uh, estrogen binders and, and things like that. But that's, I don't know. I don't know if the mold plan that one. But that's probably that, just to the, the, the proliferation of estrogen in the natural world that receptors and right. mold so things many, probably fit. That's what we always forget. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that we, we, that these all that might be accidental, but yeah, it may, but it can knows. fit in other receptors then I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. But anyways, but a lot of these molds, like I said, they disrupt protein, translation so they, they they disrupt how you make proteins they disrupt the cell wall they disrupt um you know like in the mitochondria they can disrupt the electron transport chain they can um disrupt and uh mitochondrial dna because your mitochondria have you know have their own dna in them and also some of the nuclear dna that makes parts of the mitochondria they can um hurt that directly um, so it, it's, and re, there are so many of these mycotoxins. That's, that is the thing. They're not like five mycotoxins, you know, there's hundreds that we've yeah. discovered, you know, so it, it's, so you, when you ask the question, which is the basic question, are these causing, are these just interrupt interfering with our immune system or do these cause disease directly? 
you know, and I got to say it's probably both because, you know, they do cause an amazing um, oxidant reserve stress. Okay. They suck up not just glutathione, but many other antioxidants. They suck up lots of free electrons. Okay. Uh, or they produce lots of free electrons in the wrong places. So in that way, they can cause um, probably neurologic disease, you know, and again, in the right genetics, that amount of oxidative stress can cause disease, neurogen neurodegenerative disease, and probably trigger autoimmune disease by um, causing inflammation in the organ, okay, whether it's the thyroid, you know, or the joint capsule, where your immune system is already primed to be a little like not so good at suppressing uh, a, a, an antigen, you know, because that's what happens. Your immune system sees a chemo, a protein that it that it no, normally doesn't see. But if it's one of your own, when it goes back into the into the uh, lymph into the lymph um, non um, the lymph node, it it should be destroyed. It should be recognized. Now we don't want to amplify this signal. This is a self signal, you know. And so some of us just don't do that that well. Um, so. Yeah, there's not a linearity here. I, I, I hear your question, and, the, and I think the answer is is probably mostly that the mycotoxins disrupt our antioxidant defenses and our um, uh, our, our T and B cells, our, or just all of our immune, so even our monocytes. They, they interfere with the function of these cells because that's what they're designed to do, and then however your body reform reformulates that. I mean, that's not a satisfying thing, but it, it's like they're dropping, um, you know, you're dropping the wrench into the machinery, you know, and it clang and depends where it clang, where, what, what sprocket it gets stuck in. You know, I mean, really it, it, it's that thing. Now, sometimes it's designed to go into one particular, you know, um, receptor and cause havoc. But lots of times it's that it causes havoc there, but the havoc only depends on whether you have a T cell that is already not very good at um, responding to the signal to stand down, you know, to like, to like not keep reproducing. And so, cause if that T cell listened to the stop signal really well, even though it got the abnormal information, it would have gotten this normal stop signal. But if it didn't get the norm, but if it's not good at listening to the normal stop signal, well, that that little bit of misinformation now gets multiplied, and suddenly you've got T cells that are aimed at at your joint. Okay, but that never should have happened. Uh, I mean, it reminds it, me oh. of uh, this this marketing campaign uh, from. Was it Allstate Insurance or State Farm Insurance or so? one of those insurance companies? Probably I don't know. Years after the '90s, to me, just like they're all the same. So I don't know. There's been two decades since then, but there was the the '50s were distinct, '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, and to me, when we hit 2000, everything's the same since then. But sometime since then, there was a marketing campaign where there'd be this guy for a car insurance company, and they called him Mayhem. Oh, well, and he would just kind of like walk around and then he'd like throw a banana up in the air just backwards and a car would drive by and it would hit the windshield and cause the car to spin out and hit a pole. And then he would 
dump a bucket of paint on the ground while he was walking. And then somebody would come and they'd track the paint into the thing and it would light on fire. And this guy didn't care. Like he wasn't intentional. He wasn't trying to harm anybody. He just threw things and knocked things over and did whatever. And it, it broke everything around him. Yeah. Uh, well, and then obviously this is why you need yeah. to buy their insurance. But um, and so it sounds kind of like that. A mycotoxin, but remember, a mycotoxin has an intent. It wants to inhibit some function of your cell. The question is, okay. if it just did that and, you know, the cell either died or, you know, bound that mycotoxin and like, you know, removed yeah. it, it wouldn't be a problem. The thing is, is that right, when that's when it continues to spiral out of control, that's when we get these other secondary diseases. I think the mycotoxin itself will cause dysfunction in the organ. Okay. The, in the, the things that maintain the balance. Right, right. Get but screwy. the arthritis is a secondary event. Okay. Yeah. I think I can mm -hmm. be clear there. Yeah. I think you right now I had to unpack your question a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So yes, mycotoxins go in there. They do not cause rheumatoid arthritis. Mycotoxins go in and will um, poison or interfere with the function of some of your T and B cells and some of your, what we call monocytes and dendritic cells that, 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 that then process, um, immune information. And so therefore you can then gobbledygook up your immune information and wind up with an autoimmune disease. Okay. But the mycotoxin didn't cause the autoimmune disease. It just screwed up the information. It killed it. It either, it damaged some of the cells that should have been processing the information. Okay. okay. And that's, that, that's yeah. what it's about. They go in there and they damage um, how your body talks to itself. And then depending on how you're, how you're lined up, you can have, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, you can get manic, you can get anxious, you can develop severe OCD. You know, I mean, look what happens with pans and pandas, you know, people can um, get all kinds of bizarre um, emotional, mental, psychological states that are generated by inflammation in certain cells, you know, and they, they, you know, it's not that, the bacteria cause that it's your how your body responds to it it would be unable to modulate its own response so it's all about modulation your whole system takes information in and then depending on the health and i always think of it as balance you know when you're yeah. fairly athletic and you trip you don't fall you yeah. know you do a skip 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 and you, you're fine but when you've lost your balance, you, you, you hit your leg on it. You, you, your toe catches the edge of the carpet and you're down. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning about those things now. I'm starting to. This is the whole point of health. Health mm -hmm. is not, not falling or not tripping, but health is not getting hurt when you do. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about never being exposed to this stuff. It's about when you're exposed, being able to dance with it. You know, I mean, so we should limit our exposure, but I'm just saying, but when you're, when the body is healthy, you can deal with most of these, most of this crap. But we, I said, we are putting more and more. It's like, gotcha. now, 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 now you're taking the trained athlete and blindfolding them and putting them in a, in, in a kid's room with all kinds of crap yeah. on the floor. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
<laughs> and tying their arms together. Yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah. one of these days so, they're going to fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, before we we only have a few minutes left. Okay. I want to. You're hosting right now when this is going live. There's a, a mold and mycotoxin summit that's going on that we'll have a link below. Probably a little banner. Be very easy to find. Yeah. Uh, tons more information on mold. I'm yeah, sure well, I'm, that. And, and I mean, let me, let me just tell you a little bit about it because it's on mold and chronic illness, because to me, the mold is the problem when it causes a chronic illness or when it is on top of a chronic illness. And so it's unpacking that, you know, the world, again, um, you know, in the early years when Dr. Shoemaker was first working in this, he wanted, well, he actually believed that you, that most of the people with mold in the early days um, had, had Lyme first which kind of interfered with IL-10 and a few other cytokines that allowed the, pe the people to lose the ability to respond well. I mean, this is when he's, I remember he was looking at the genes of his BHLA genes and, and he came up with a, a, a subset which increased the likelihood that people would um, be susceptible to mycotoxins. Um, so it's not just Lyme, but I think any chronic infection or chronic toxin exposure increases the likelihood that your body's not gonna dance as well when it's exposed to mold. And that's, you know, I, I think one of the, you know, the, there's the genetics and the amount of other stuff that are weighing on your immune system. And so that's what we talk about as well. And we also talk about lots of different ways of dealing, of, of healing, because after you've had an, an exposure and your, your brain or your body, your nervous system has developed patterns of response, that's one of the downsides of, of chronic illness is that once you've blown up the balloon, you know, once you've learned that pattern, you go back to that pattern easier. You know, it's just like addiction. You know, if you get addicted to something and you get it again, the desire is bigger than for people who are first mm -hmm. exposed. Well, unfortunately, the same thing happens when re-exposure can produce the symptoms faster and easier. And that's what makes life a little more, you have to be a little more careful as you go through, uh, you know, as you get more re-exposures. And, uh, you know, that's another reason that some people are more sensitive because they've had a lot more exposures, you know. And so, so anyway, those, those are things lots that we to learn there, about. lots of tips, lots of suggestions, yeah, yeah, stuff on testing, of, some on recovery, healing. People. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is I right now I've been talking a lot, but I let the people talk because these are some. Real yeah, I looked at the list. It's pretty impressive. The yeah. group, it's it's a lot of people that know a lot about these things. And that's what we're offering so, just because we want people to think it's just, you know, I don't know if I, you want me to throw, but you, you told me about a program that sure. you work, that you were working on that allows people to find the right therapies for them. And that's what mm -hmm. it's all about because I don't help everybody far from it. I need lots of people who have different skill sets and can hear things mm -hmm. that I might miss. And that's what we want to give out to people to realize that, if you're hitting the wall and you're not getting better with what you're doing, here's some other tools. Listen, okay. ask for some other advice, you know, see another, uh, get another perspective, you know, I mean, and if your uh -huh. doctor gets real offended, eh, you know, put it like this. We all want to be your one, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> the reality is we're not going to, you know, we're going to, mm -hmm. we're not going to have the answer for everybody. So hopefully your doctor, even though it might hurt a little bit, they'll, 
stiffen up and go, okay, let me help you find some other advice or another opinion because, yeah. you know, Great. we all don't know everything. We're all learning all the time. That's uh, it's a really important attitude to have about it too. I've run into many in this field who think otherwise. So um, it's the, now I've learned that's a red flag because no. it's literally impossible. Yeah, you know, and to be fair, some of the best minds that I know have that attitude. They they they, they know it all, you know, and mm-hmm. they're often my teachers. You know, I I, I honor yeah. them because it's that single-minded focus that allows to that, that that can sometimes illuminate that path. But if you're the patient, you have to remember if that illumination doesn't shine on you, <laughs> find somebody yeah. else. All right. So great. We'll, we'll put the link down below. We'll have a little banner. We'll make it easy to find uh, that your website will stick down there too. If people want to go to your, your site, you guys have a great clinic there, yeah, several you. practitioners, really cool therapies and things down there too. So yeah, we, um, we, we, we try, you know, but again, there's lots out there and if we don't have yeah. it, we'll do our best to help you find people in places that do. Cause like I say, everything works sometimes which sounds kind of funny, but I really have seen that. I've seen people heal themselves in ways that I never imagined possible. So I have now too, in the last few years, stuff I would yeah. have totally foo-fooed out the window before yeah. I've like, huh. Okay. Exactly. Then so that's we just a thing. all have to be, so, <laughs> you know, be respectful. Yeah, open-minded. open-minded and, uh, all right, well, Lesson. check out the summit, go learn a whole bunch more things. Uh, go check out their site. Thank you so much, Dr. Gordon. This is oh, always fun. And yeah. um, now I've, I have, about, I took some notes. I have about four other subjects we'll need to talk about it someday because uh, uh, there was a lot of spirals we could have gone in uh, there that uh, we reined back in. So thank you for doing the summit too. Thank you for putting that together. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Michael, so much. Thanks for this. It's fun All to right. get to think out loud. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening, and please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guests and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit, which will help you implement what you're learning here and make powerful shifts in your health and your life right away. Just go to www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations, and you can be started in only a few minutes. If you enjoy the show, please drop a rating, review, or subscribe to stay in the loop with future releases.